The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. this morning to Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Uh, before we begin, I would be, uh, Miss Judy Braden would have my, my head on a platter if I forgot to announce this, uh, but there is no, some of you have uh, been wanting more information about the Young at Heart trip to Branson. They've sold out the dates uh, that were there, uh, so there is no meeting after this today. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, if you want to take us as staff to Branson, we would love you forever and ever. So, just kidding, but that is canceled after service today. Had another question this morning, just a little commercial as you turn to Romans 11. Uh, someone asked, you know, Darren, we, we want to listen to sermons we missed last week. How can we catch those? Uh, our website, towerviewkc.com. Any of you are aware of this? Uh, there's a clear link on the front page. If you ever want to review some old sermons, we'd encourage you to do that. If you want to share those, that's great. Uh, but we're looking forward to this year, hearing from Matt, hearing from Blake, uh, hearing from several other people, and you can catch up on all that stuff as we go through. Well, you know, uh, I've had a lot of kids' stories lately. I'm in that time of life. I hope it's okay with you that we have a lot of kids' stories. We're not to this stage yet. Our kids are not speaking in complete sentences, but we will be there someday. But many of you have had a story very similar to this uh, that has happened to you. Uh, the father was driving along with his daughter in the back, and the great theological question that a young kid could ask, Daddy, where did God come from? Ooh, makes you shake just thinking about it, doesn't it? And what did the dad say? Well, God has always been there. Well, who made me? Well, God did. Well, where did God come from? And you just go through that cycle over and over and over. And what's the question after that? Well, why was God the only one ever? And what was the dad's response? Because. Yes, that's right, Betty. That's right. It was because. That's right. Or because I said so or the Bible said so. That's right. That's a great question, isn't it? I had a youth at my last church. I won't say her name for public things. But every week she asked the question when we had a question and answer with our youth before youth began. Where did God come from? Who, who created God? She was so excited. And every week we'd get a little bit farther in the answer to that question. And, you know, that's what we're going to do today because, friends, we need to know exactly who this God is. Did someone create him? Did he just show up one day out of this uh, big bang, so to speak? Or what? how did God get here? Why is this so important to you? Well, there's a verse, I think, from Hebrews 11:6 that really frames this for us. Hebrews 11:6, very familiar verse. But it is without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's a mind-blowing question, really, to think about, isn't it? Where did God come from? How did he get here? Where has he always been? But friends, when it comes to who God is, this is so important. And as we'll see a little later, it, it, it applies so practically and critically to your life. But as we've been studying these attributes of God, that's what we're in right now. We're in the study of the back to the basics, who is God, the next few months. And I just want to caution us as we study the attributes of God as we go through. Because sometimes we get so excited to study this stuff, and we can mess things up a little bit differently. 
Someone will say, well, God is love, and we worship God because God is love. Yes, that is true, but be careful that love is not God. Be careful that we say God is holy, but holiness is not God. You see, just as a parent has to really answer specifically a child's question, so we too must, when we come to these questions like, who is God? Where did he come from? We have to be very specific, because what can happen? You can start here and end up going the opposite way of where you intended to go. So friends, this is practical stuff. I hope you see that. One thing we often hear as pastors is, this is theology. Darren, why don't you just go have a class at Midwestern? Wouldn't that be better suited for what we're talking about today? Friends, I'm going to make the argument today that what you hear about who God is is the most practical things you can have in your life. Even more practical, Blake, wherever you went. Blake, even more practical, if we could find the best surgery method that would solve all surgery methods at every hospital in the places that you go. Knowing God, knowing who he is, and today knowing where he came from or actually didn't come from is the most important thing you can ever know. A.W. Tozer said it this way. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago. What we think about God is the most important thing about us, the most important thing about us. Can I just ask you today, do you consider that your and my lack of knowledge of who God is is the biggest problem that you have in your life? Some of you, you're still sweltering over that or simmering perhaps over that chief's loss. And when the, when the Broncos beat the Patriots today, you're going to say, man, I, could, we could have beat those stinky Broncos. Some of you are still simmering over that. Is that your biggest problem Is your sports team? Is your biggest problem whatever relational issues you have? Yes, those are important. We're not demeaning those. But have you submitted your ultimate questions about all those things to who God is? Because, friends, that's the big idea today. Every part of my Christian life is totally and utterly dependent upon a correct knowledge of God. That's the big idea for today you'll see on the screen. Everything is based on that. And you know, if we hold a bad view of God, we hold a high view of mankind. If we hold a high view of mankind, we hold a low view of sin. And if we have a low view of sin, take the wheels off or take the brakes off because we're going into some bad, uncharted territory. Friends, this is why it's so important that everything we do, we must remember, is affected by what we think about God and who he is and who he's not. Therefore, we want to know him. I hope that's your prayer. Last couple weeks, if you haven't been with us or maybe missed a week, the last couple weeks we've looked at the knowledge of God. The first week we talked about the knowledge of God, how it is a privilege, isn't it, to know God. How people will spend years, lifetimes even, trying to figure out who is this God that we are serving. Last week we looked at the Trinity. That's a tough one. We looked at God as one God in three persons. And as William Yusuf, I appreciate you pointing this out. We worship one God. God is the Father, is not the Son. The Son's not the Spirit. The Spirit's not the Father, but together they are one God. And William, thank you. God is Spirit. We believe Him to be. That's what I love about people because they critically listen. Thank you for that. Friends, this is our God. This is who He is. And today we're looking at God as self existent. There's a big word. I want you to try and say it with me. See that word in the parentheses? You want to take a stab at that on three? One, two, three. Anybody? Aseity. Aseity. Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's the aseity of God, literally from himself or by himself. What it means is this. God is not dependent on anything outside of him or inside of us that he needs anything. God is not like us. He freely chooses to relate to us, but he doesn't need us. So we're going to look at one verse today from Romans 11:36, and we're going to see God made everything. God controls everything. 
everything finds purpose in him. And praise the Lord, he alone is worthy of all praise and all glory today. Friends, that's the God we serve. I pray, Christian, that you have not looked at this and just said, man, this is just, I already know this stuff, Darren. Just another check mark off the box. I pray that during the sermon you're not planning the Monday morning or your week. I pray that our focus is on who this God is. Because, friends, this is what it's all about. If we don't worship God for who he is now, we're not getting a good warm-up for what it will be like with him forever in heaven. Romans 11, what's going on here? Well, many of you know this. Paul was writing to the group at Rome and Paul had never been to Rome, but he's writing to them a very extensive account of the gospel, chapters 1 through 8. Chapters 9 through 11, where we pick it up, is a time where you will see him really expound on what happens with the Jews. What do we do with the Jews? So we won't go unpack all that, but that's what it's leading up to. And all this knowledge of God leads to these three verses, and specifically verse 36 that we're going to look at here. So if you're able this morning, in honor of the Lord's word, we do this as a... Uh, a, 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 a honoring thing, stand with me this morning as we read Romans 11, 33 through 36, with specific focus on verse 36 this morning. Paul, after writing about God for hundreds of words, thousands of words, says this in response. Oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Those four phrases in verse 36 are what we're going to look at. How do we know this God is by himself independent? And what does that mean for us as a church, as families, and as people this morning? Let's go before the Lord in prayer today. Father, we are so grateful to be here, Lord. Thank you for good weather this past day, Lord, that we can make it and be here. And Father, just worship you through the study of your word. Father, I pray that as we study through this, that you would warm hearts of those that may be cold to this truth. Maybe they're not Christian, that your spirit would enliven and quicken them to salvation. Father, for those who know Christ, that maybe this is just a cold, hard academic exercise. Father, I pray that they and all of us would see that this is knowledge that you have given us to worship you as Paul breaks out in song here in the middle of this book. Father, wherever we're at this morning, would you speak to us? Father, not in some non-biblical way, but Father, through your word, by the impression, illumination of your spirit, would you speak through your word? Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the congregation. Thank you for everyone here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, I broke up tradition. I hope you, you traditional Baptists are okay with the four points this morning. I hope that's okay. I know someone always asked, someone asked me one week, do you always do three points? Well, that's a Baptist tradition, just like potlucks are, but we're breaking tradition for a four-point sermon, okay? Amen? All right. I hope you say amen to that. It's good. So the first thing I want to see, guys, this morning, God, where did he come from? Well, we need to know he's an awesome God. He's, he's, he's not dependent on us. And so the first thing I want you to see in verse 36, the first phrase there is the phrase from him. God has made everything. We'll unpack that here. You know, often we see on the tags made in China, made in Mexico. I can remember when I studied abroad in Mexico, um, I, I learned a phrase, hecho en Mexico, made in Mexico. I was so excited with myself. <laughs> it, the little things that excite. But you know, you think about this from chairs 
to trees, to molecules. Everything is from this God. He made us. Nothing has its purpose or existence apart from him. Nada. Nothing. Nil. Think about that, guys. Nothing comes except here. And here's another thing I want you to get. God has made everything. So to answer that big question, where did God come from? God does not have this little, uh, how do I say it, this little like uh, force up here that he has to answer to. You know, God doesn't go home at the end of the day if you want to say such a thing and say, man, I have to go answer to all these other gods because maybe I didn't do things right. That's not our God. He is totally independent, totally separate. And if all things are from God, then he is the ase, he's of or by himself. We studied this last week a little bit but in John 1.1 1, 1 and Colossians 1. The word Jesus Christ has always been with God. The Holy Spirit, who is fully God, has always been with this one God. And the same attributes that are applied to God the Father are given to the Son, are given to uh, the Spirit. God has made everything. That's the first point you'll see there on the screen. God has made everything. And these are things, friends, that we have to know God lacks nothing. Wouldn't that be great to be said? You know, how, how many of you hate annual reviews at work? Be honest with me. Wow, a lot of you must really cherish annual reviews. That's amazing. I hated those things. Because there's always something. You can try all day, but you know, bosses, because I've been on the other side of the table, you have to find something that's a weakness to work on. You know what I'm talking about? You always have to. But friends, our God has no weakness. Our God has nothing you can write and say, well, God, if you would have just done this a little bit better, he's totally independent. He's created everything. God exhausts himself in himself, if you want to put it that way. And this is the first sub-point you'll see up there on the screen. God ha was never lonely. God was never without fellowship, divine, and divine love. Friends, that is a great thing you'll see on that first sub-point up there on the screen. That is what God is. He's self-sufficient. He's independent. He's in need of absolutely nothing. God doesn't even need your love. God doesn't even need your service, your money, your wisdom, or your good works. Is that a surprise? I mean, let's be honest here. We live in America. We live in a place where we like to pride ourselves in how well we do. Is that not true? We like to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but really, at the end of the day, we tend to think a little bit more highly of ourselves than we ought, don't we? Before the creation of time, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existed alone, yet in perfect love, in perfect fellowship, and without any sense of need. Wow. You go talk to any other religion, any other God, and that can never be said. Why is this such good news? Maybe you say, well, Darren, if this is such good news, if God doesn't need me, then maybe I'm insignificant. Maybe I'm unimportant. I mean, really, I don't like this doctrine because it doesn't give me self-esteem. Friends, what I have to admit, this is very humbling, isn't it? God doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me as a pastor either. Isn't that crazy thought? Think about that. Let that sink in for a second. So the next question becomes, Darren, well, why serve in the church? We'll get there later. But friends, one thing you need to know is that when I forget the gospel, I become more dependent on the smiles and evaluations of others than I become on what God says about me. And friends, when we know who this independent God is, that he is the God who created everything, then you know that you are found in Christ and your identity is in Christ and nothing else. Can you imagine, I mean, think of the reverse of this. What if God was needy like us? Can you imagine how awful it would be 
have been in relationships where that person has only been a friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend or watching the marriage because they wanted to use you. And you thought that other person loved you, but in turn, it all had in mind was fulfilling their own needs. Friends, that is not the way with this doctrine of the deity, God's self-independence. God could be misunderstood as the biggest user of all. And I've read books, maybe you have too, that says, well, God just created you because he was needy. Friends, if God created you because he was needy, God becomes like us. You get that? He becomes on our level. He goes from being outside of us to just like us. And at the worth of risk of people rejecting him, he would just say, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. Christian, I hope you're encouraged today that's not your God. I hope you're encouraged today that the God who is outside of us still has relationship with us. God was never lonely. He had perfect fellowship with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And need, it was not for him to have anything else except himself. But by his grace, he created you. By his grace, he wants to have a relationship with you. Friends, that's a great, great thing. Many people in your life today who you know will want nothing to do with you just because you're you. And just because I'm me. doesn't mean you're bad. doesn't mean you're terrible. But they just don't like you for whatever reason. I heard about an old church lady from a friend of mine who uh, I think I've shared this with some of you. But one day the lady said she was going to leave the church because the pastor didn't shake her hand on the way out. Well, the context means everything, doesn't it? Well, the context was the pastor was talking to someone else. And she walked by the line out the door and got so mad she didn't come back to the church because the pastor didn't shake her hand. I don't care who you are, at all times you will offend someone, won't you? And you may not even know it. But friends, our God does not need us. Does not need us. But he's created everything that we might have relationship with him. That's the first phrase. Let's go on to the second thing. So God has created everything. And secondly, we, we saw the from him, but he controls everything. It's through him. It's through him. And I just want to open this up with the first application point right out of the gate here. I know the screen's kind of, we got it back, but the first thing is this. The reason your life is out of control, friends, today is because you're afraid of giving control of your life to God. I think that's very true. Because, friends, if we understand what this phrase through him really means, we have to know this is mind-boggling for everything. Nothing happens apart from him. All things, past, present, and future, are ordained by him from the least to the greatest. Paul's not just telling us how he saves. He's telling us that the smallest details of our lives are matter to God. You know, I don't know if you've been in an old house lately. As we were searching through some houses to live in one, uh, we came across a really old house we liked, but it was just too much problem for this non-handyman to do. And I remember going in on New Year's Day. We walked in this house in Glen Eyre, and uh, Brian Owens, you know where this is at because you showed me where this house is at. And the house had not been dusted for some time. It was a cold day. And the sun was out, and we went to one room, and I just remember looking in that room and all the dust particles coming up. You know what I'm talking about? That room you think's perfect, and then the sun comes in and just shows everything. Friends, our God ordained every path, every uh, movement of those molecules, of those dust particles that meant nothing to us with our naked eye until the sun came. Think about NASA. I love the Hubble. Is it still the Hubble telescope, you uh, astronaut buffs? I think it's still the Hubble telescope. You know, if you just look out there and just see the amazing things, I think we're on Pluto 2.0. Supposedly we found a ninth planet past Pluto. I don't know. Pluto even a planet anymore? 
I don't think we've it's gone back and forth. I don't know. But friends, if anything else were, he alone is not God, but everything is through him. From Pluto 2.0 to the sun to the molecules to yes, folks, even who's going to win the Super Bowl, God knows those things. And let's pray his sovereignty has the chief someday, but if not, he's still good. Amen? <laughs> Amen. John 1.3, all things were made through him and nothing made apart from him. This implies that total sovereignty in politics and personal relationships and in uh, your personal life, Paul frames the sovereignty in personal terms. He says, don't think of God as some distinct tyrant like Hitler out there just waiting for you to mess up and say, ah, I got you again. That's not our God. When that happens, we say he's a bad God. God, why would you do this to me? But Paul resists that and says, through him, all things, all things. Christian, let me remind you today that biblical joy is established certainty that God is in control. That is your joy. When you think of God's sovereignty, view this through the lens of Christ. I mean, it's a delight and a wonder, isn't it? Think about this. God has never been removed from loving and caring for you, even when you did not love and care for him. Even when I did not love and care for him. If every relationship in your life and my life was based on how well we loved, would we have any relationships? Let's be honest. No? We wouldn't. But friends, the love of Christ comes to an apex when we remember that God has sovereignly placed everything as it should be. You know, our little daughter, Scarlett, who's sick at home this morning, uh, she's at that stage, about 18 months, where she's starting to learn to point to her mouth and her everything. And she's convinced of two things. Everything is her mouth, her eyes, her mouth, her nose is her mouth, and her ears, everything's her mouth. And everything are puppy dogs. That's where we are right now. She knows what a cow says. She knows everything else. But what's this? Puppy, 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 puppy. Just puppies everywhere. If you have a puppy, we don't want one now, but we may come knock on your door soon. <laughs> Friends, I'm just being honest here. So, as we were talking yesterday, Natalie was at work, and we were downstairs letting Simeon sleep and playing. And everything's just puppies and mouths, puppies and mouths. You know, I just had this thought of, isn't that sometimes as Christians how we are? God, I don't like this part of your plan for me, so I'm just going to call it what I want to, even though it's something else. I see this over here, God, but I really don't know. But I, that's not what I call God, so I'm going to go over here. Friends, sometimes we miscalculate, like my lovely daughter does, even at her young age, who God is, don't we? Friends, we must remember that God is absolutely in control. And Christian, what comfort that is to you today, to know he's absolutely in control of everything. Let's move on. He's the God who made everything. He's the God who controls everything. This God who's outside of us, this independent, self-existent, self-sustaining God. Thirdly, everything, according to Romans 11, finds pleasure in him. From him, through him, and to him all things. To him all things. I mean, just stop and think about how practical this is, guys. Why do the leaves change color in the fall? Now, those of you who are really smart, and that's many of you more than my, myself, will say, well, it's because of this chemical reaction and this and that. No, no, yes, but why do the leaves change colors? Because there's a God who made us. There's a purpose for those leaves. They sing his praises as they change all those colors. And even if you go to a desert place where it never changes less than 100 degrees, there is purpose for that sand. Everything. Can you gaze at a newborn and say that that life doesn't have a purpose? If you can, that's a cold heart. But friends, I just want to share this first application point with you. The God who's outside of us, God rarely means for you to find out the plans he has for you ahead of time. 
the God who can change colors, the God who can make a newborn baby, is the God who finds purpose in all things. But often he withholds that purpose from you so that you might think more about him. You might trust him more. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it be easier if God just answered all our prayers according to all the things that we prayed for? Wouldn't that be nice? I would have a big mansion with CC's Pizza delivered every night. And the Royals and the Chiefs haven't lost for years. And Rick, KU would not be a basketball team. Amen? <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. You know, one, but think about your life. I mean, one decision could have sent you a million different ways. Have you ever thought about how much God has used even the crazy things in your life to bring purpose to your life? Flip over with me. Save your spot there, but flip over with me to Acts 17. This is, some of you have probably been wondering when we we're going to go here. Uh, but go to Acts 17.24 very quickly. Acts 17.24. Very familiar passage. Paul's preaching on Mars Hill and, uh, in Athens, giving a speech to a, a varied group of smart, smart people who worship many, many gods. But Acts 17.24, I'll just read a few verses here. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and of earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives life and breath to uh, gives all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from us one man, that's Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they might seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. You ever wondered sometimes why God doesn't answer your prayer and send you somewhere else? Guys, I'm just going to give full disclosure here. As we were applying for churches over our two-year period looking for a full-time senior pastor, there were times we thought, this is exactly where God has us. And I'm so grateful that God shut every single one of those doors. Because this is where we were called to be, not XYZ. Good or bad, God does not have good especially there's no plan b for your life christian non-christian there's no plan b for your life. If you're not a christian here today the verses that we just read are so true he is not far from each one of you it's no accident if you're not a christian that you are here today hearing these words not by a famous preacher by no means but you are here to hear the word of god christian there's no plan b for your life god has a direction for your life have you sought and prayed and said god what is it that you would have me do in my life today but only a God who's outside of us could do that. Because if God were like us, you know what we'd probably do? We'd go up to him and say, hey, God, I got some tickets to your favorite concert. You want to go to that concert? Oh, but here's the catch. You have to give me this. See how amazing it is that God has to be outside of us? Because he's not manipulated by anything of us. Ephesians 1.22, and he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Friends, the ultimate purpose, second application point, the ultimate purpose to this life for you and for me, for our church, for our family, is to show that Jesus is more precious than life. And he is. This is why we believe that babies in the womb at conception are precious lives. This is why we believe that even if done in a bad way, that every baby is precious unto God. I hope you don't hear that as a political statement as much as it is a statement of what the Bible says about life. Do you have a purpose in this life? You do. Your purpose is to do what the old guy said. 
the Westminster Catechism, the old, uh, old doctrine thing. It says, what is the chief and what's the main point of this life? And the answer, to glorify God and what? Enjoy him forever. Enjoy him forever. Friends, you're going to hear wars. You're going to hear about rumors of wars. You're going to hear about triumphs and tragedies. But all the tributaries of those things flow into the vast ocean of God's purpose for this world. And that purpose is to play out his plan and his will. Let me be very clear. This does not mean that you are a, like a Pinocchio, okay? You are not some random robot that God says, move your right arm. Left arm. I can't do the robo dance, so don't ask. But friends, you have choices, real choices with real impact. But you better believe that God finds purpose in every single one of those to his glory. And that is the God we serve. That is the God we serve. You know, kids love Bible stories, don't they? Uh, our kids love the stories about, uh, uh, about Samson and being strong. They can't really talk to us that well because they're still you know, two and one. They love that story. Friends, have you forgot, Christian, that you are a part? God is using you as a part of the bigger story for his purposes in this world. Hey, Darren, all I do is pick up Cheerios all day that my kids put on the floor. Well, amen. Those Cheerios have a purpose for the life that God has given you and your kids. Maybe you're retired. Maybe your, your strength has left you. It's not what it used to be. Do you know that you can be used by God? Have you prayed? What is it that you have for me? Some of you work corporate jobs and I've been in those corporate jobs, and they're fun and challenging, but also very, they're corporate jobs, right? Can God still use you there? Yes. Have you prayed, God, what is it that you would have me do there? Because God has a purpose for your life, and it's outside of us, but he will show it to you as you seek him. So this God, let's go to the fourth point. Man, we went through those quick. Guys, we're doing good. We're good on time, amen? We're doing good. This God outside of us has made everything. He controls everything. He finds pleasure in himself and his purposes. But lastly, he alone is worthy of praise. Look back at verse 36. He's back there in Romans. It literally says, he alone is worthy of all praise and all glory. Literally in the Greek, if you want to be geeky, Greeky, and I'm looking at uh, Blake, he's a resident Greek scholar. Uh, you know, into this, it, literally that phrase means into the ages. God is worthy of praise that will never end. You know, I don't know about you. I, I keep sports references today. It's just on my mind for whatever reason. I cannot tell you who won the Super Bowl in 1987. Can you? If you can, more power to you. I cannot tell you how many wins the Royals had in 1998. I know it was less than their losses. I can tell you that. But I don't know. I can't tell you that in five years, who's going to be the next big sports star. Many of you who have grown up and are older probably remember, you know, uh, I, help me with the shows from the 1960s and 70s, guys. Help me with these. I, I Dream of Genie. How many young people, did, do you know what I dream of Jeannie is? He's looking at me like a deer in the headlights, guys. <laughs> Never heard of it. Many of you, if we asked you to list some of the most popular bands today, uh, you know, I have no idea, to be quite frank with you. Because you know why? Because one's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But God's praise endures forever. God's praise endures forever. Isn't that amazing? His praise endures forever. Guys, we aren't on the losing team. We are on the winning team, not just for a season, not just for a five-year span, not just when our bodies are healthy. We are on the winning team because of God's grace through Christ in the gospel forever and ever and ever. And because of that, he deserves all of our praise. Amen. And what Paul does here, he goes deep into theology. He, 
you know, Paul is saying something that's so deep. It's so deep. And friends, it's a reminder to us as you pray for this church that churches go bad, go unhealthy when pastors and teachers get bored with the Bible. Friends, you expect the Romans to be asleep by now. I mean, Paul, if you've read through Romans, Matt, we're going through this with the youth. Man, it's some heady stuff. It's deep stuff. And rightfully so, you could probably be like the guy in Acts that was sitting in the windowsill and fell asleep and, and died when Paul was preaching. Many of you remember that story. Rightfully so, you could fall asleep in the book of Romans. But Paul never saw theology, the study of God in isolation. It always had a means to an end. And so Paul gets here. He says all these great things about God. He's made everything. He controls everything. Everything finds pleasure in him. And what does Paul do? He just breaks out into song. He just, his theology, if you want to use the, the big terms, his theology leads to doxology. It leads to praise. What he knows about God turns into worship of God. Because when churches go bad, when pastors and teachers get bored with their Bibles. Guys, I pray that you pray for your Sunday school teachers and your small group leaders that they, they will faithfully... Not just go through the motions to get a lesson done and checkmark box. But they have a sense, a greater understanding of who God is. Friends, this is not a cold academic pursuit. It is wrestling with the truth that makes you break out into song. Now, if we were to ask you what type of music that you like, many of you would say, I like praise music. Many of you would say, I like hymn music. Many of you would say, I like grunge music. I don't even know what that is. But maybe you like that. Friends, the music I like is the music that honors and glorifies God. And whether that's rap, whether that's grunge to God's glory, whether that, whatever that is, if it lifts up what we're talking about here today, may God be praised. may not be my style. You're not going to see me rapping next Sunday, okay? But one thing I can say, Blake, thank you for leading us in that way. Thank you. Because, friends, that's what it's about is the praise that God gets through that. He alone is worthy of all praise. Christian, we've talked about this before, but do you get bored in worship? Get bored of just going through the motions of worship. But John Piper said this great quote. It's a very challenging quote. Those of you on Facebook have seen this, but I want to have Megan throw this up there because it's so, so good. He said, John Piper, bored Bible believer, if a blind person can't see the sun, you don't blame the sun. Think about that for a second. So speaking to people who say, Darren, I've read the Bible a million times, and it's the same old story. Guess what, Darren? David took out Goliath. Woo! Guess what? God said, let there be light. Woo! You ever feel that way sometimes? I do. Guys, I'll be honest. As pastors, we study the Bible at seminary, and it just becomes another textbook, quite frankly. That's why they sometimes call seminary cemetery, because you get so study the Bible. Christian, do you want to stop feeling disconnected from your life with God on a daily basis? What we don't need is more excitement and worship, whatever that means. We don't need more blazing personalities. What we need is to be humbled by the fact that God is God. He's independent of us, and yet in Christ, he came down to us so that we might know him. That is what makes you excited and not bored when you are bored and going through the routine of knowing who God is. How long has it been since you have just stood back and said, I want this God? Jeremiah Burroughs, John, I always point to you on these references. John, what am I going to say? One of those old, dead guys. Yes. They're dead. And they're old. He said, I am nothing, Jeremiah Burroughs. I have nothing, and I deserve nothing. Friends, when you are humbled by this God and learn that he loves you and sent his son, what else can be more exciting? 
yeah, there's temporary rushes of being married and, and doing all these things. And, and, you know, we have new babies coming. Exciting things, right? You should be excited. Please don't say, well, it's not about the gospel. It's not exciting. Guys, God has given us general things to be excited about. But above all those things, are you most excited that God saved your soul? The amazing pinnacle of this doctrine, this God is outside of us, this aseity, is that he has chosen to relate to us. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to make things pretty. He didn't have to give you grandchildren. He didn't have to give you love one to another. He didn't have to give you singleness or marriage life to be enjoyed. He didn't have to do any of that, but he chose to redeem us for himself. Can you fathom that above all, God chose to redeem a people for himself? Wow, what an amazing God he is. Let's close with these two points. Close with these two points. I've given you some application along the way, but I, I just want you to see this. Friends, the first thing this doctrine should teach us, this lays waste. It just blows it up. It mind blows it away. But I just want to encourage you, challenge you with the statement. Friends, it is possible to read this, what we've talked about, and say amen. It is possible to proclaim it, but I had to look at my life as the Lord was working on me through this text and say it is possible to live as a functional atheist and still say these things. What do I mean by that? How often do we read the newspaper, watch the news, read the blogs, read social media? How often and act like God isn't there and all that? How often do we feel hopeless and downcast? Do we think God has forgotten us or disappointed us or whatever, fill in the blank, forgetting entirely that everything he does has promised us for his greater good, for his glory? Romans 8, 28. One of the most abused verses in the Bible. For God works all things according to his glory. For, for the, I'm not saying it right. God works out all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, sometimes we can claim the promise without understanding the source. When we take our eyes off this God who we created God ourselves, and he gets outside of time and comes down to our time, well, God, come trust in me. This political person says they'll solve all the world's problems. The sociologist on this channel said, if I just do boom, 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 my life will be great. Or they said, if I just believed hard enough, man, it would pop up right in front of me. It happened in Aladdin. It doesn't happen in real life, right? Friends, you end up with emptiness and foolishness to believe that. You see the problem here with this? We have idols in disguise sometimes when we take God from his high, exalted, lifted up throne and put him down to our earth. You say, didn't Christ come down to earth? Yes, he did, but he did so as fully God and fully man like we learned last week. And in all his glory, he is still God above all. You know, it's a sad day, and I am not looking forward to this day. Another kid's story, I apologize. It's a sad moment when a, a son or a daughter can, when you're used to taking their hand and say, no, 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 I got this, Dad. I got this, Mom. I've heard the stories. It's not a sad thing. It's a good thing, right? They need to eventually. You don't want them living at home when they're 37 and unless life hits them hard or something. But friends in our own lives, how often we do that with God. We say, God, I don't need you to carry me. I can do it just fine. Thank you. I'm, I'm okay without you. I don't need you. I want to be on my own. Friends, the only solution to that is to remember that God is outside of us, yet he loves us through Christ and he owes us nothing. Friends, if God took away everything you hold dear, your house, your car, your kids, your job, whatever it is, your wealth, if he took it all away, he would have done us no wrong. Think about that for a second. 
And yet the same God that would do us no wrong was pleased to exalt us to the highest heavens in Christ. The God who would do us, could do us all wrong was pleased to draw us to himself and be with us forever through Christ. Wow. Don't ever think Christianity is another religion. Know that Paul tells us that he gives us a gift that surpasses all understanding, and that is in the gospel. Last thing I'll say is this. He's pleased to exalt us in Christ. Friends, if you need to know who you are in Christ today, go read Romans. Start in Romans 1. Come on Wednesday night. You can sit in this room over here. We'll crowd it with the, the older youth. Matt is doing an excellent job teaching through there. And, and if you want to hear what God's done for you, come sit in there and be mind-blown each week. You can hear a pen drop, youth, I think, in that room sometimes, except when there's cookies, and then it's a whole, it's a whole other ballgame. But friends, the truth is this. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. If you're not a Christian here today, know that is the truth. Know that is the truth. Close with this. I love C.S. Lewis. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I think this is my fifth re reference in as many weeks. You know that to be true. But probably the best fictional character I think that's out there across the board is Lucy. If you don't know who Lucy is, read the Bible first, please. Go read Lucy second. Okay? There's a part in the end of one of the movies where uh, Lucy has not seen Aslan. And Aslan is the Christ figure. He's a representative of Christ in this book. And Lucy, uh, maybe you remember this from the movie, says, Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, where have you been? You've come to us at last. And the great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell half sitting and half laying right there with him on his front paws. And he bows forward. Maybe you remember this. He, he bows forward and he just touched her nose with his tongue and his warm Lion breath, if you will, came all around her, and she gazed up into his large, wise face and said this. He said this. He said, welcome, child. And Lucy, in all her Luciness, says, Aslan, I think you've gotten bigger. And what did Aslan say? That is not, that is because you're older, little one. Not because you are one. Lucy said back, not because you are one. And Aslan said, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Lucy saw all this Aslan and said, you're not the same. Every year you grow, Lucy, you will see me bigger. Friends, that's how our God is with us. You may be here today and say, Darren, I've heard everything about this preached several thousand times. Praise the Lord for those faithful pastors who preach it several thousand times. But today, this year, will you see as Lucy saw Aslan, that God is a little bit bigger, even if you're 87 or you're 8 or you're somewhere in between. Is God bigger in your life today than he was yesterday? Not just because of the sermon, but by how you relate to him, knowing that he's the independent God that has a relationship with us. May you find him more satisfying. May you find him bigger. And may you find the awe and wonder that this little kid saw for a lion, how much more for a Christ who gave his life for us. Let's go for the Lord in prayer. Father, again,